0: Am I on? All right, thank you for not sharing. This is not the last tears, I am absolutely certain. This is like abdication right here. (laughs) This is just, just give in, you know. Um, Thank you, Um, thank you. Well, I'm Matt, in case you're wondering. Uh, In early March uh, 2000, you know, after we all survived Y2K, uh, Becky and I were in the early stages of recovery from what was by far the most, and still to this day, the most difficult time in our marriage. And in the midst of this season, I think we got tickets before or something, we went to a Christian concert at uh, one of the large churches in Omaha, Nebraska, where we lived, and um, we arrived about 30 minutes early, because that's what it means to be married to me. And um, as we sat down, uh, a group of about 50 youth students and their youth pastor came in and kind of got seated in these reserved seats right in front of us. And um, I just started watching them, watching them interact with the students, connect with them, purposeful engagement. They was natural at it. You could hear them laugh and talk and have serious conversations, and after about 10 minutes or so, I looked over at Becky and I I asked her, honestly, somewhat sheepishly, do you think I could ever do something like this? Well, she paused, because Becky doesn't speak immediately like I do, She took in the scene, and I got to be honest, my heart felt wildly vulnerable as I was just waiting for that silence as seconds ticked by. And and then she looked at me, and she said, something that would alter the course of our life for the next 22 years. I think you'd be awesome at that. Well, less than a couple weeks later, it was the Saturday before Easter, um, and I get a phone call from one of the elders at our church. And um, he was great. He goes, listen, I've called everyone I can think of. But, uh, but our youth pastor's sick and, and no one else can do it. Would you step in with the youth tomorrow morning? And I said, Yes spent the next few hours preparing for students that I barely knew in a context that I'd never been to before. And I thought, hey, you know, like I'm the very last option. Like how high can the bar be, right? I mean, <laughs> next morning I was, I was so nervous um, because I didn't know what to expect. I just got in there and I like moved the chairs around into a circle. I don't know what they normally do, but that's what we did that Sunday morning. And, uh, And we began, as the students started filtering in and had us all in this awkward circle. I don't remember anything I said. I just don't. Um, Now, I do know, though, that towards the middle, like towards the end, the culmination portion of my talk, I ended up, like, sharing, wait for it, the champion from the well-renowned 1980s, you know, Christian superstar, Carmen. And um, now, I know what you're thinking. This is like super lame. First of all, it was, you know, you're 2000, so only 15 years after he was famous. And as lame as it sounds, like it crushed. I think they'd never heard it before, you know, and... Anytime you can have Christian music with like the sounds of demons distorted in the background, it just changes your perspective. I'm not kidding, we have kids crying, like sharing their stories in the circle. Like I'm just on cloud nine. At the end of the time, uh, probably about a dozen or so students come up to either me or to Becky and are like, we want you to know this is the best experience we've ever had in a youth group, ever. Now, the expectations were super low, so I don't know what that really, really means at that moment. And that's where it all started. Now, I said I didn't remember so much anything that I said that morning, and that is definitely true, but, but I know without a doubt where I landed. That I know. I landed on grace. Because you see, If there's one thing that God was awakening me to in that season, in those difficult days, was the radical, upside-down reality that is made true by the gospel, that all is grace. Now, since that Easter Sunday morning in 2000, over the past 20 years as a pastor, 12 years here at Roswell, I've had the privilege of facilitating over 1,000 worship services Very few of them in a circle. I've performed 25 weddings. I've walked with families through seven funerals. I counted up. I've done 22 retreats, which is about 15 too many. (laughs) I've gone to 16 professional Christian conferences, which is also 15 too many. I've only sent one student to the ER for accidental poisoning. (laughs) I've sent students to the ER for other reasons, but just one for accidental poisoning. Just think about all the things I worked out before I got here, you know? (laughs) I've visited dozens in the hospitals. I've preached a few hundred sermons. I've shepherded insecure teens and anxious parents. I've counseled dreamy-eyed premarital couples and despairing spouses. I've gotten the privilege of listening to stories of pain, to stories of hope, and I've had the joy of being able to hear and watch stories of transformation. I've wrestled with people who were walking away from the church, and I've wrestled with people who are walking away from God. And I've also gotten to have front row seats to others running wholeheartedly towards him. And through all of this, God has regularly reminded me that, indeed, all is grace. Now, over these 20 years, and definitely in the last 12 years, I've also made numerous mistakes. I've had us try things that ended up not working. If you remember, we actually have a box of t-shirts in the warehouse that say, we take risks two months before a global pandemic. (laughs) If you would like one of those t-shirts, we have them. (laughs) Out of fear, I've missed opportunities to engage and love with courage. At times, I've been too slow to act and other times I've been too hasty. Along the way, I've had plenty of moments where I've let my insecurities and my idolatries fuel my motives and lead to selfish responses. I have cost some of you individually here, I've cost some people that aren't here anymore individually, and at times I've cost us corporately. And in those times too, God has had to remind me with the grace of some of you all that indeed, all is grace. And so as I've been reflecting this past week and really a couple months here on the past 20 years, and particularly in the last 12 years at RCC I've been just remarkable for me to remember all that's unfolded both the good and the not so good but but even more so I've been able to linger on all that God has done and to me personally to take an inventory of what the father has taught me it just so happens to be that some of these key poignant things are a part of the, what I call the life passage that God gave me all those years ago, some 22 years ago. And that is Psalm 84, verse 10 to 12. I memorized it in the NIV, so we're breaking free from the ESV this morning and we're going NIV. Woohoo! <laughs> Listen to these words better is one day in your courts, than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We didn't even practice that or nothing. (laughs) So, what are some of the things that God's taught me in the last 12 years? Well, out of this first verse, um, one is stay close and walk humbly. Verse 10 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Stay close. He is better. Loved ones, the the with God life, as Willard calls it, is the only life worth living. There's nowhere else, and there's no one else who has the words of eternal life. Do your life in his courts, do your life with him. It is better than anything else. So stay close. And walk humbly. Live as a doorkeeper. In the economy of the kingdom, the way up is down. And your weakness activates his strength. So when you're down, you're with Jesus. And when you're weak, Paul says, oh, now you're strong. What does it look like to walk humbly? I think it, one of the things it looks like is to seize every opportunity to confess, to repent and to ask for forgiveness. And that's why being a pastor is such a great thing because I get to do that all the time. I was going through uh, emails this past week. Um, I kept a couple bins of emails. Some of them were encouraging and then I had some others from other categories and, and I came upon one, not unlike several others where, um, I was reminded of a dialogue so I read back through the dialogue and there's someone uh, from our church that had uh, had shared with me some really deep and significant things about their life and sent to me a long email very articulate very honest and just wanted to invite me into what was going on and particularly reflecting to something I had shared about in a sermon and and I didn't respond now I I wanted to respond like really well right and so I, I didn't have the time right then and And you know, it's like, I wanna make sure that it comes off right, and then then it was taking a little bit too long, and then I felt awkward that it was too long, and so then I just didn't. And um, a couple months went by, and um, she came up to me on a Sunday morning and very graciously let me know with the experience of me dropping her heart, not just her email, but her heart in that moment. And um, what's awesome about this email interchange is, one, I got to read my own response with not just egg on my face, but really sorrow in my own heart, and that we hurt people, that we, we drop the ball with one another. And so we confess, we repent, and we forgive. In the bottom of the email, I said to her, I I want to promise that I'll never hurt you again. And I know I can't. So I'm counting on the grace that I'm going to need right now, that if I need it again, it will be available again from you. Thank you in advance. Walk humbly, seek every opportunity to confess, repent and forgive. So why and how do we stay close and uh, walk humbly? Well, because of grace and by grace. Why? Because of grace. How? By grace. Verse 11 starts by saying, for the Lord is a sun and shield. I love those two words. I think of the sun as so multifaceted, right? It's light, it's warmth, it's growth, photosynthesis. I am not my own light. You are not your own light. I am not warmth to my own soul. You are not warmth to your own soul. You cannot produce growth in yourself. I cannot produce growth in myself. It has to be the Lord. The Lord is a son. He's also a shield. The Lord is my protector and he is your protector. He is your security. Uh, Brennan Manning is one of the earliest books that I remember reading in early 2000s, his book Abba's Child. And it just like, it just opened my soul to understanding my interior world, in which I just, I never understood it before. And so I have a couple quotes from him because he doesn't get the proper shout outs that he should. But here's what uh, what he says about security. He says, I will not build my life around creating a security for myself that he has already secured. I trust his conclusion about me, not my own. You want to know where security is? You want know what protection look like? That's protection of the soul. Now over the years, uh, many of you already know this, I, one of my central idolatries, both in, in my life and ministry and family and everything is classically known as people pleasing which i think is just a pathetic description of a really selfish behavior but you know whatever i like it it sounds better um and it's more for me than just like i want you to like me which i do want you to like me i i i need you to respect me right i i need you to approve of me of my performance of my my persona And that is the security I'm going to fashion for myself. And one of the gifts the last 12 years is there's been so many opportunities for God to, well, to chisel at that. I wish it was like an oak, you know, you cut all the way through and it drops and you're like, look at that dead thing over there. But it's not like that at all. It's this living organism with special branches that come back out and resurface. And the Lord has chiseled that over desire, that epithumia in me. And how has he done that? He said, Matt, I'm your son and I'm, I'm, I'm your shield. He repeatedly reminds me though, in the second part of verse 11, when he says, the Lord bestows favor and honor. Brennan Manning says, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. Excuse me. Who's going to honor me? Who's going to show me favor? Who is going to show you favor? Who is going to honor you? The Lord will. And it is only the favor of the Lord. It is only, only the honor of the Lord that weighs anything. Is it ridiculous? Of course it is. Right? Psalm 8: What is man that you're mindful of him, or the Son of Man that you take note of him, and yet you have made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with honor and glory? That's what God does through the gospel. He gives us honor, He bestows favor and honor. And lastly, verse 11 says, How and why? This is no good thing does He withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Loved ones, God's not holding out on you. He's not holding out on me. He's not holding back. He's not miserly. He's abundant and, and generous and giving. That's who he is. I don't think there's ever a time in my 12 years here at RCC where that wasn't just, didn't come so crystal clear, where all these things kind of came together. As you remember, for those of you who were around back in 2018, we were given a very short window of time to have to be out of Henry Springs Elementary, where we'd been meeting for several years. And it looked like a church killer. I mean, really, it was one of those things where the way it looked was like, there's a very good chance Roswell Community Church is not going to survive. If we can't find somewhere to be really fast this is going to be over. And I can't tell you, I mean, this, this pulled on all my insecurities. It has to be, I mean, I hate talking about money and it's like, guess what you have to do? You have to raise $900,000 in six weeks. You ready? Go. You know, it was just ridiculous. I was like, this is, you know, the people talk about those tests of leadership. I'm like, no, this is just like kamikaze, not going to work. And, but in the midst of it, as we got moving and, and several of you jumping in and like figuring out ways to communicate this and figuring out ways to be able to try and move it forward and I found myself suddenly experiencing this great peace. If you remember last week, um, I was quoting uh, my buddy Spencer who said, "Right, if my company survives, it's because God loves me. And if my company fails, it's because God loves me. And I came home here for sure. I was like, Lord, somehow, if Roswell Community Church survives, it's because you love me and because you love us. And if Roswell Community Church has to shut down, everybody gets to scatter off to work, then you know what? It's because It's because you love us. It's because you love me. But I, you know, this is the, like, behind-the-scenes pastor life, you know? We do the, you know, the big pledge Sunday. We have the big thing in the back, and people sign it. And, and then Becky and I, we did, this had been scheduled months ago. Becky and I get in the car, and we start driving to Hilton Head. We're going to be away for a, de- for, for a week. And so we just leave all of that, in a sense, behind, and we're in the car, and, and we're just waiting for the call from the bookkeeper, for our bookkeeper, to be like, it's like, you know, it's like Nero. Is it going to live? Is it going to live? You know? And I'll, I'll I'll never forget. We're driving, and suddenly my phone buzzes, and it's Babs. And all she just the first thing she said, Matt. And then she just read the number, and it was right there at that nine hundred thousand dollars that we needed. And <laughs> do you remember this? We're just in the car driving. I just remember beginning to weep. I just. Just tears falling from from my eyes and my soul is full and my first thought is not man Like we did it my it was like, oh like look at what God decided to give us Like he decided to give this future this these next step to us because he's just kind and gracious and shows favor and honor and No good thing is he withholding from those who walk as blameless? God is not miserly. He gives He's generous. Oh, you may be wondering, like, wait, wait. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless? Oh, Wait, wait, so, you have to, wait so who's the blameless? Is it one of you? I don't know if it's one of you. It's, it's not the one who merits. It's not the one who has behaved perfectly. It it's actually shows up in verse 12. It's the one who trusts. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who who trusts in you. A.W. Tozer says, we please God most. What does trust look like? We please God most, not by frantically trying to make ourselves good, but by throwing ourselves into his arms with all our imperfections and believing that he understands everything and still loves us. Loved ones, all is grace, growth, change, light, protection, favor, honor, blessing all of it comes from him, from his good hand for your good and for his glory it 's amazing all is grace so those are my last words from the from the scriptures I do have a some last words of transition. You're getting three sermons today. You know, if you only have one left, you should go ahead and do three. Right? First is, um, I'm going to give you guys a charge, and then I'm going to give Nick a a brief charge here so I get to do in weddings, you know, captive audience. So to you, the people of Roswell Community Church, as Nick steps into this seat, into these shoes with this mantle, first... Be gracious and patient. Nick's going to be adjusting to a ton of things, getting to know a bunch of people in a really short amount of time and trying to understand all the weird, quirky things that make RCC RCC. And we're weird and quirky, come on. It's gonna take a minute. So be gracious and be patient. Anticipate change. New leadership means new priorities. It means new methods. It means different emphases. This is good. So choose openness. Lean into the change, not away from it. I guarantee you, God has, God has something for you in it. Thirdly, just fill the gap with Trust. Not suspicion. The question I want you to ask yourself in the moments where you might have moments of like distrust because things are different or changed or you don't understand something is what is the most gracious and trusting way to interpret what I am experiencing? That's, that's the question for your soul. What's, a, what's the most gracious way I can interpret what I'm experiencing right now? And then move with that. Fill the gap with trust, not suspicion. And lastly, fight comparison and grumbling now I know there's no one in the bible who like grumbled and stuff like it's not like we have good examples of that you know but um, God has made Nick uniquely he has a whole story God's prepared him in particular ways and and he's going to offer his gifts to you for your good and God's glory that's what we know now, it may not be exactly in the way we want or you want, or that, but that's actually what's true. That's the gift of God to us. So don't compare. I mean, I told the elders when, you know, when I was letting them know that I'm going to up, up in the, up the apple cart, and I said, I, I, I'm praying that God brings a, a better leader, a stronger communicator, a, someone who loves and shepherds. I, I like, I want, I want the best of the best of the best, and I, I don't even know what that means exactly, but I just know like that's my desire because you know what? Because I love you. That's what I want for you. Frankly, it's what I want for me. I'm going to be sitting out there with you. So that's what I want for me. What God's given in Nick is a gift to us. Just like 12 years ago, he gave Roswell Community Church a gift in me. Now just to be clear, in my first year, we lost half the church. So let's just be real clear. Now there were a lot of things that needed to change where you know maybe not quite as many, but like all that to say is... Don't compare. Don't grumble. And I'm going I'm to say this because I love you and because maybe I know us. But please don't come and complain to me about Nick. If you've got beef with Nick, talk to Nick. Not to Kaylee, to Nick. <laughs> Just saying, maybe, just saying he can handle it. All right, that's my charge to y'all. Nick, my charge to you, my brother, is you also be gracious and patient. It's possible that not everyone's going to behave perfectly. So far, you have. I'm just saying, you know, like, it's possible that in the future, someone... And so be gracious and patient. Everyone is in change and transformation mode. And Nick, I've sought to lay a, a, a solid, not perfect by any means, foundation. But he has appointed you to lead us into the future. So build with courage on the foundation that is and do so alongside these beautiful people. Because I am convinced that God has really, really good things in store for this community. And I believe he's appointed you to that role. So those are my last words of transition. My final, final words, I promise, Sermon three, So <laughs> I have some final words of gratitude. It's been interesting, you know, over the last several weeks, you, several of you guys keep coming up to me and be like, so how do you feel? And I'm like, first of all, I'm a three. I don't know until I feel until like later. And so just give me a minute, you know. Um, but, you know, I think some people are like, are you feeling sad? And I'm like, yeah, if there's some sadness. There's some weight, some sorrow in it. Are you feeling expectant? It's like, yeah, I'm feeling some excitement about the future, about what that can look like. So that's true too. It's a little in, the, in the mix. Are you feeling nervous? A little bit nervous? Some uncharted territory? But but the thing that I've realized that that above all, that seems to constantly recur and show back up is that I feel grateful. I feel unbelievably grateful. Grateful to my family and to Becky in particular. You have been on the front lines with me for the fireworks and for the firefights. You've prayed with me, you've prayed over me, you've prayed for me even when I didn't wanna pray. you wiped my tears when there was loss and you've spoken courage when I had my own fears. You've given me counsel when I was unsure and honesty when I was blind and wrong. You have been a pastor to this pastor when I needed it most. And although these years have cost you in ways that most people won't know, you still love Jesus and you love this church. Becky, you are a woman of substance and you are worthy of honor. the elders. I am grateful to the other elders, both present and past, for protecting me, sometimes for myself, for trusting me, for believing in me, and at times tapping the brakes when brakes needed to be tapped, and at times giving momentum when momentum was needed. Shepherding this community with you has deepened my love, not only for Christ, but for his people. To the teammates, staff, deacons, leaders at Roswell Community Church, both past and present, you've adapted to unique changes and unexpected challenges. You've invested effort and excellence and labor and hours and heart taken risks with me, stayed true to the mission of our church, and you helped shape the culture of this church and its character, mostly, oftentimes, behind the scenes. So to both elders and deacons and staff, we all (laughs) share both scars and joys that are unique to the roles that we have shouldered together, but it has been an honor to co-labor alongside each of you. And lastly, to my committed community and to you, the people of Roswell Community Church. You trusted me. And you followed me and you put up with me, confronted me, you forgave me, encouraged me, and you partnered with me and I don't know another pastor who's been more blessed by the people that he's gotten to serve with. Above all, I'm grateful to the Father, because to him be all glory and honor and to the Son, who's seen fit to entrust this ragamuffin for a season with the privilege of serving with you and leading people that he loves so much, his very bride. So here's the thing. I am not the same man. I've been graciously shaped by God over time, by his grace, through you. Today I'm freer, I'm truer, I'm more courageous, I'm more gracious, I'm just more whole than I was when I walked through the doors of this, into this role 12, 12 years ago. And that is maybe the greatest priceless gift of grace to have received in this community. Which leads me to my true last words. And because as you know, like I, my soul's been shaped by a variety of different people from Keller to, to, to C.S. Lewis, to, to Willard, to, to Yancey, to Crab. So I think I'll borrow words from, again, Brennan Manning this morning, one last time. Loved ones, my message, which is unchanged for more than, well, 22 years now, is this. God loves you unconditionally, as you are, not as you should be because nobody is as they should be. It is the message of grace. A grace that pays the eager beaver who works all day long the same wages as the grinning drunk who shows up at 10 till 5. A grace that hikes up the robe and runs breakneck towards the prodigal reeking of sin and wraps him up and decides to throw a party, no ifs, ands, or buts. This vulgar grace is indiscriminate compassion. It works without asking anything of us It's not cheap. It's free. And as such, will always be a banana peel for the orthodox foot and a fairy tale for the grown-up sensibility. Grace is sufficient, even though we huff and puff with all our might, to try to find something or someone it cannot cover. But grace is enough. Enough. He is enough. Jesus is enough. Which leads us to this table that I love. It's this table that invites us to stay close, it's this table that beckons us to walk humbly, it's a table of favor where the indescribable honor is scandalously conferred on us. It is the meal that calls us to remember that that grace is enough, that Jesus is enough. So, loved ones, beloved of the Lord, if you have tasted that grace, if it is familiar to you because of its effect on your soul, then this meal is a good meal for you. So come this morning and receive the grace of Christ in his body and blood for you. Let me pray. Father, To end at this table, as we do every single week, is like ending at home. You you are our home. And so come what may, your grace follows us through your spirit and through your people. And so we come this morning and we're going to receive this cup and we're going to receive this bread and We do so remembering you, the author and the agent of that that reckless, wild grace that is ours. And So we worship you. We praise you. We remember you. And Lord, we ask that you would make us more like you. Because only you can. We love you, Father. We worship you, Christ. Through the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen. As I said, if you belong to Jesus, if you tasted grace, this meal is for you. So come and welcome to Jesus Christ.